Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Simple Church on this beautiful Easter Sunday. We're gathered here today like so many Christ followers all over the world are gathering today to celebrate that Jesus is risen. He is not dead. He is not in the tomb. The stone was rolled away and he has resurrected from the dead. Come on, can somebody celebrate with me today? Jesus is alive. Yeah. And that is why we are here today to celebrate, and so thank you so much for joining us today. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. If it's your very first time here, we want to say thank you so much for being with us on Easter Sunday. There's so many churches that you could have been a part of today, but you're here with us, and we're so glad that you are. In fact, if it's your first time here, this round of applause is for you. We love our guests. Come on, let's let them know that we are so glad that they are here. Thank you, thank you to all of you. If it, if it is your very first time here, we ask you to do one thing for us, and that's to look in the seat back in front of you, and you'll see something called our connection cards. Now, the connection cards are there for your use. They have information about how to connect with us online, through our social medias and our websites, and all those, those beautiful things that you guys like to engage with. But at the bottom is our opportunity to connect with you. It's a card that you can tear off, fill it out, tear it off, and then take it to guest services after service is over, because we've got some free stuff for you. How many of you guys like free stuff? Yes. Awesome. We're going to give you some free stuff. So if you'll take that, that filled out card to guest services, which is the desk you passed on your way in today, they will give you a t-shirt and a gift bag. It's our way of saying thank you so much for being with us today. So please feel free to do that at any time. So we're so, again, we're so happy that you're here. Now I want to just make sure I say hello to one special friend. Uh, many of you know that I'm running for city council this year, and this is not my platform to talk about that, but a friend of mine in that, in that endeavor, somebody who has been an incredible, uh, incredible blessing and support to me is here today. He's one of our councilmen here in Reynoldsburg, and I just want to to give a special nod to him. Marshall, will you stand up so that people can see you guys? Everybody, welcome Marshall and tell him we're glad that he's here. We, uh, thank you, Marshall. Marshall Spaulding, by the way. And uh, so we, we pray for our leadership regularly here as a church, and, and we love that you're here today. Marshall has a table in the lobby to talk about something important that's going on in Reynoldsburg, so you can stop by there and say hello to him if you live in the city. Uh, all right, one other thing that I want to make sure that I talk to you about, actually two things before we jump into what we're doing today, is that next week we begin a brand new series called I Quit, and I know that you're going to love it. Uh, we actually have some great special guest speakers. Kyle Smith will be here speaking on the last week, I know, right, of the, uh, of the series, and so uh, Kyle was the young lady that was singing over here on my left today, if you don't know who that is, and... Um, but it's a great time to invite friends, to get them in on the ground level of a brand new series. So that starts next week. And later on this year, we're going to do a series called You Ask For It. Now, You Ask For It is a series that we do every year that is based on what you would like us to teach on. And so you have your opportunity to let your voice be heard. The way you can do this is pull up our Simple Church app, and you'll find there's a new banner, a new clickable item there called You Ask For It. You can do that now, or you can do that anytime this week. We'll give you the opportunity to let your voice be heard but you can tell us, what subject would you like us to teach on? What questions do you have about spirituality, about life, about God? What is it? You can ask. It's a safe space. It's all confidential, and you can ask your questions there, and then 
whichever one has the most requests for that subject, those are the ones that we're going to do. So if you don't have the Simple Church app, you can get them from the Google Play Store or you can get it from the, uh, the App Store if you have an Apple device. Uh, or we'll post them on our social medias and our website this week so that you can let your voice be heard if you're not a tech phone kind of person, all right? Awesome. So here's what we're doing today. You know, there's a big question that uh, we're going to talk about today, and it's one of life's biggest questions that we need to have an answer to. And that, that question is, is what does it take to be made right with God? What does it take to be made right with God? Now, when you ask this question today, whether it's inside these walls or outside of these walls, you get all kinds of answers, right? People are all over the place with how they answer it. They'll say, because no matter your background, no matter whether you come from a, a Christ-following family or whether it's some other kind of religion that you, that you follow, it, you have to admit that today we live in a, what's called a spiritually pluralistic society. What does that mean? That means there's so many of them. There's so many ways that we can follow. There's so many different religions that we can choose from. Heck, within Christianity, there's so many different denominations that you can choose from. And because we also live in an inclusive society where we want to include everybody and say everything's okay, we wind up with this attitude towards religion and towards faith and say, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe. As long as you live out that faith sincerely, then it's going to wind you up in a good place, right? It doesn't, all roads lead to God anyway, is what we, we say because we are inclusive in this way. And it's very common for people to believe this. Throughout my life, I've met people that believed a lot of different things. The one that was the, the, most, the hardest one for me to follow and to even understand was a woman who had combined three different religions. Three. And I'm sitting there listening to her talk about this, and I'm like, uh-huh. How does that even work? How do you combine the idea of reincarnation with Christianity and Buddhism and this other Indian belief that she believed? And she just kind of wove them on. It doesn't matter, you know, as long as I'm doing whatever I'm doing sincerely. There's these people that believe in reincarnation say that you'll be reincarnated. In other words, reborn uh, into something else whenever you die. And they say that in this current life, the thing that you love most is an indication of what you were in your past life. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean a person. It could be anything, right? So what, whatever you love in this life, and that's, to me, that's, that's kind of cool and a little confusing at the same time because when I think about the things that I love, that means in a previous life that I was a Chipotle burrito. <laughs> and it's confusing. It's confused. Yes, Pastor Aaron is going to talk about Chipotle today. Uh, and it's confusing to me because I don't like being wrapped up tight like a burrito, right? So I'm like, I don't know where did I get that. I'm not really sure. Look, we believe all kinds of different things, and we say all roads lead to God. We have different, different ideas. However, what's interesting to me about this is that when we kind of get down to the nitty-gritty, when we become to the end of our lives, we really decide, we kind of buckle down and go, man, I really need to answer this question about how am I made right with God? What is the right answer now, it could be the end of our lives. We come to an end of our lives, or maybe it's a loved one's life who ends. And, and what happens when, when somebody, you lose somebody in your life is you begin to develop this feel-good theology, don't we? Well, you know, we, they're gone, and they're, they're in a better place, and, you know, Grandma's looking down on me now. She's, she's my angel. And while that may be really comforting to you, and it's a feel-good idea, there's at least three times a day that I don't want Grandma looking down on me. You know what I'm saying? Or more. 
So how is it that we are, how is it that we are made right with God? Well, I'm a Christ follower, and that's probably not a big surprise to you guys. So, but what's interesting to me is that as we talk about spirituality, as we talk about the idea of God and heaven, a lot of people, um, they, don't, they don't get upset about that conversation. In fact, most people are open to some kind of spiritual conversation. Where people get upset or when the controversy enters in is when you begin talking about Jesus, And here's what you need to know about this historically. People, even the people that didn't like Jesus, they don't really debate his existence. What they debate was his claim to be the son of God. What they debate is the claims he made about himself. They don't debate his existence. They say, hey, this guy's a real guy. He was in history. And a lot of people love Jesus' teaching. They love what he taught. They love what he had to say about, about blessing the poor. He, they loved what they had to, he had to say about serving and forgiving and all of these things. He, they say, hey, Jesus, Jesus had great teaching. We don't have a problem with identifying with he was real and that his teaching was good. But what, do, what they do have a problem with is the exclusive claims of Jesus. See, we're a very inclusive society. We want to include everybody. We want to say all roads are the same, but Jesus with one clear statement, says that that's just simply not true, and this is why people get upset. Because if what Jesus says is right, which I believe it is, then that means that all roads do not lead to God. That, That what Jesus said about himself, if it's true, which I believe it is, is that how we are made right through God is through him. Because this is the claim that he made. In John 14, 6, he says, and Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, that means nobody, not a single person on this earth in past history or in the future, comes to the Father except through me. In an exclusive world of pluralism, Jesus makes an exclusive claim that he's the only way to the Father in heaven. He says, this is it. I'm the only way there. And yet people still say, all roads lead to heaven. And all religions are the same. Are they? Do you just accept that because that makes you feel comfortable? Well, let's look real quick if we can. And as we look at these different religions, the major religions of the world, understand that I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge that there is some beauty and some truth in all religions of the world. I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge that. But I want to argue that they're not all the same. They're not all the same, and I'll do this really quick. Look, Buddhism. In Buddhism, we have no God, no type of final existence. You have countless rebirths, okay? You're born over and over again, and you hope to live a life that's so good that those rebirths come to an end at some point in time. With Hinduism, they serve a very impersonal God that they approach through uh, deities and statues and idols, And when you compare Buddhism and Hinduism together, you find that neither of them have forgiveness of sins or supernatural help. What they believe in is something called karma. Karma is the idea that you reap what you sow, that if you are good, then good things will happen to you. And if something bad is happening to you, it's because you've done something bad. If you want a better life, be a better person. This is karma. Contrast that with Islam and the Muslim faith. They worship Allah. They have a personal God. There's no secondary gods. Like there's a total ban on any secondary gods or idols or statues like they have in Hinduism. 
Your standing with God is based on your religious devotion and the works that you do. Look at New Age. New Age has no personal God. They have a higher consciousness and an attempt to become one with the universe and the cosmos. And then look at Christianity. We have a personal God who looked at his people and he loved them so much that in the middle of their plight of sin, he offered them forgiveness through his son Jesus that he sent in the greatest act of love to live a perfect and sinless life here on this earth, die on the cross, be raised from the dead to pay the price for you and I, for all of humanity so that we could be forgiveness, forgiven and we are made right through faith in Christ alone, not good works. So can we acknowledge that there's some truth and some beauty in all religions? Absolutely. But are all of them the same? No. No, they're not all of them the same. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to consider Jesus. As we ask the question of how are we made right with God, I want you to consider Jesus. Now, I'm not asking you to consider simple church because we don't have it all figured out. We don't do everything right here. I'm not asking you to consider the religion of Christianity because Jesus didn't come to start a religion. I'm not asking you to consider Christians because many of you know Christians in your life and you consider them to be out of touch, bigoted. You consider them to be narrow-minded and judgmental and a lot of them have bad hair. Why is that? No, no, and I'm not even asking you to consider me. Because don't look at my life, because if you do, you'll find that I'm going to let you down. Because I'm no different than you. I'm a sinner saved by grace. What I'm asking you to consider today as we consider that question of how are we made right with God? Consider Jesus. Consider what he claimed. Consider what others said he did. And consider what he actually did. The first one, consider the ministry of Jesus. This is what he did. Who he came for and how he treated them. Mark 2 says this, verse 16. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors. These were the worst of the worst, by the way. These are the people that wouldn't do right, and the tax collectors were people that had betrayed. They were Jews who had betrayed their countrymen by siding with the Roman government, all right? So these were the outcasts. He said they saw Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Huh, that makes sense. And he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Look, Jesus didn't come for those who had it all together. He didn't come for people that were, that were perfect. He, didn't, he came for those that religion had rejected. He came for those who needed help, those who needed grace, those who needed mercy. He didn't come for the clean. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the unhealthy and the imperfect. This is who Jesus came for. Those, whom, the, those, whom were, those people who were despised and rejected is who Jesus came for. He came, he loved them, and he accepted them. He didn't ask them to change. He sat down with them in the current state that they were in. And he loved them right where they were. The perfect example of this, there's a young woman who was caught in the throes of adultery, okay? I mean, like, in a passionate moment. And some le religious leaders grabbed her and drug her from that place and threw her in front of Jesus. And because she was caught in the middle of it, it is likely that she was naked and exposed. 
The law of the day said that an adulterous woman or adulterous man were to be stoned to death. And so they throw her in front of Jesus and they say, what should we do? And Jesus stops for a moment. And he says, let you who is without sin throw the first stone. And one by one, her accusers began to fall away. Jesus looked at her and said, where are your accusers? She said, Lord, I have none. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. See, Jesus loved people. It didn't matter to him that he, she had been caught in an adulterous relationship. It didn't matter to him, her current state. He loved her where she was. And this is who Jesus came to love. Not only did he love and accept people, but he did incredible miracles. Jesus opened blind eyes. He healed deaf ears. He made the mute to speak. He touched lepers and healed them. He turned water into wine, which by the way, we don't care if that was alcoholic or non-alcoholic wine, right? Paps Blue Ribbon or Old Duels. It doesn't matter. It was water one second and then it turned into wine. Can we all just hang out on that for a second? All right. We don't need to argue that. And Jesus did this. He walked on water. He raised the dead. And his critics of the day, they didn't question the miracles. They were there. They saw them happen. No, no, they didn't question them. They just wanted him to stop. Please, just stop what you're doing. Many of you here today are the direct result of Jesus' ministry. Your life has been touched by a man who walked thousands of years ago upon this earth. It has been forever changed. And if I gave you the microphone and the opportunity, you'd say, before Jesus, my life was like this, and after Jesus, my life was like this. And there'd be hundreds of you to stand up here and talk about the ministry of Jesus and how it has forever altered your life. You'd say, I was lost, but now I'm found. You'd say, I was addicted, but now I am free. I was bitter, but now I'm full of love. I was broken, but now I'm whole. I was sick, but my body has been healed. There'd be too many stories to share today, but let me do this. Let me share three of them with you today. Let me first tell you about my friend Ben. Ben came to this church, well, pretty much because his wife kicked him, or dragged him here, kicking and screaming. Right, Tina? She's kicking like this. Yes. Ben came to church here, and he'd sit on the front row with Tina week after week. And I'd greet Ben, and Ben said, I need to have coffee with you, Pastor. And I said, great, let's do it. We went and had coffee, and he sat me down. He said, listen, I like what you're teaching. Every week I learn something, and I can apply it to my life. He said, but I don't believe like you do. He said, I don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. I think he was a good man, and that's all. And I said, all right. And I began to explain to Ben how it was okay for him to belong here before he believed. I said, it's okay. And so Ben continued to come. And then there was this, this uh, the city called us and said, hey, we're going to build this park or rebuild this park on Rotabaugh. Will you come and help us put this new equipment together? So I put out a call to all the men of the church. And one of the responders was Ben. And he came and he helped helped rebuild this park with us. We had an incredible day, and he said, man, I love what this church is doing. I love that you're out there serving people, and this is just incredible. And then one Sunday, I'm up here, and I said, look, if you want to accept Jesus, you want to say yes to him today, just raise your hand up at the end of service. And Ben, sitting right there, slid his hand up, and I nearly burst into tears. Ben was saying yes, he was confessing his faith as Jesus' Lord, that he was who he said he was. His heart had been impacted, and so Ben 
was making a statement of faith. And we prayed the prayer, and Ben gave his heart and life to Jesus in that moment. He was baptized soon after. Now Ben, today, is serving in the parking lot all three services today. Now, is Ben perfect? No, absolutely not. Tina, is Ben perfect? No, no, no. His wife agrees. Ben is not perfect, but he's following Jesus, and he's a life and a heart that has been changed. Let me tell you about Jason and Corey. I met Jason and Corey through a a recovery program here in Reynoldsburg called Summer Rays. They came to Simple Church initially because they had to. Not necessarily had to come here to Simple Church, but they had to go to a church. And we used to be in a funeral home that was really close to where they live. And God, we are thankful that we had a start in a funeral home, but we are also very, very thankful that we are here. So Jason and Corey came, and week after week they came and they sat. And Jason said, man, this wasn't for me, but I had to go. He had to give an hour a week to church and an hour, or an hour a week to God and an hour a week to the program. So he had to come to church. And Jason said, shared with me that, that his life before Christ was like this. As an addict, he had broken every relationship in his life. He and his brother owned businesses together, and the, he had lost everything because of his addictions. Lost it all. In fact, his family had helped him so many times. He'd lied and stolen from them. And it was so, his relationship with them was so broken that one of his family members asked him, what do we need to do to just get you to leave? Jason was living in his car. And he came to the Summer Rays program. Showed up at Simple Church. And week after week, he was here. And then one Sunday, Jason shares that he was on his way home. And he said it felt like the presence of God just filled his car and he pulled over. He couldn't stop crying. He couldn't stop crying. He said it was in that moment that he surrendered to God. Jason was baptized. Jason now serves on our host team. And let me tell you more about Jason. Because we know who he was before Jesus. But since Jesus, now those relationships who wanted him gone have been all restored. Jason's back in the family business. Now he's married to a beautiful young woman who has four years in recovery. Jason has over three and a half years in recovery. They own their own home. And Jason and Corey not only serve here in this church and are part of what we're doing, but Jason, every Sunday when he leaves here, he goes back to that recovery program and he preaches Jesus every Sunday. This is a life. Go ahead. Yeah, come on. This is a life that was changed by the ministry of Jesus. And then let me tell you briefly Kalisa's story. Oh, and I can't tell you Kalisa's story until I tell you Daniel's story. Daniel came here, had seven days sobriety, and I remember meeting Daniel. Daniel, Daniel looked like, he had like uh, Shaggy from the Scooby-Doo thing. He had like this hair going on. It was amazing. And uh, I remember talking to him, and I said, how many days you got sober? And he said, seven. I said, come on, bro, I celebrate that with you. And Daniel continued to sit here with us. He gave his heart and life to Jesus. I found out more and more about Daniel. He gets baptized and he's following Jesus, taking step after step after step of following Jesus. And then Daniel meets a young lady named Kalina. Kalina, he and Kalina start dating. And he says, you gotta come to church with me. And she said, well, I like you a lot. And because you like God a lot, it's possible that I'll like God a lot too. And so she came to church, and she spent week after week here. And before she even believed, she said, I want to serve in the cafe. I want to serve in the kids' ministry. I want to serve here. I said, this girl's gone plum loco. She wants to serve everywhere, and she did. And then one week, she finally said yes to Jesus. And then Kalina calls Kalisa. Kalisa's her sister. She says, you've got to come. You've got to come and see what's going on. God has changed my heart and my life. 
Kalisa comes. And man, I remember Kalisa coming. Every week she was like, why are all these people talking to me? We were too friendly for her, I think. Why are they asking me questions about where I work and what I do? What are they trying to do, get to know me or something? This is a little bit much. She was guarded. And I watched as week after week she developed relationships. And I watched as week after week God began to work on her. And while I know that Daniel, Kalina, and Kalisa are all still works in progress, all of them have been baptized. All of them have said yes to Jesus. All of them are now serving and making a difference in other people's lives. And Kalisa, are you sitting on your second service here today? That's right. Why? Because you've got friends here with you, right? That's right. See? That's what I'm saying. Kalisa's story starts with Daniel's story because Daniel was changed. Kalina was changed. Kalisa's life has been changed. My life has been changed as well. I grew up in church. I'm like a lot of you probably. You grew up in church, but at some point in time as I was becoming an adult, I decided to abandon the faith of my youth. Out of bitterness and offense, I walked away from the church and I said, God, your people are idiots and I don't want nothing to do with them. And as a result of that, I know your word well enough to mean that, that, wants, that I want nothing to do with you. And so I began living a life that was contrary to the word of God. Met a young woman, got her pregnant, married her. We were divorced not even a year later. A few years later, I met my, my wife now, Shanda. I'm married again and our marriage is miserable. I'm, no, 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 then. I meant then, not now. <laughs> oh, she's not in here, is she? Woo! Boy, we just dodged a bullet there. I'll have $5 bills for all of you if you'll just keep that one underneath. Just. Oh. Then our marriage was miserable. I don't even know how she stuck with me the first few years of our marriage. I was so horrible. I was bitter. I was angry. I was privately and quietly and secretly addicted to pornography. She had no idea until in 2010, I was invited to an Easter service just like this one. And I met, I met God again, and I met, I met him for real. And I, and I, I met people who were real. I met people that I said, well, here's all my junk. Here's my dirt. And they said, like Jesus, we love you anyway. But I'm not sure I'm, I'm ready to believe like you all believe and live a life like you all live. That's okay. You can be here. And God began to change my heart and my life. That was Easter 2010, and now every Easter Sunday, I can't imagine being in any other place. And now every week... I'm in a church and God transformed my life. He didn't make me a better version of me. He transformed who I was. The bitterness in my heart is gone. I'm now full of love and life. I'm free from the addiction to pornography. My marriage is incredible. It's incredible. God has saved us, transformed me. I'm a new creature because of the ministry of Jesus. So consider it. It's important. Consider the resurrection of Jesus as well. Why does it matter? Well, because Jesus was miraculously conceived. He did not receive the same kind of bloodline that you and I received from an earthly father. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He lived a perfect and sinless life for us. 33 years on this earth. The last three years of his life spent in ministry. Healing people and doing miracles and preaching the gospel. The good news that God loved them. And in a twist on the story, the creation mocked and spit upon the creator and crucified him to a cross. And Jesus 
as he's hanging on the cross, dying, tortured for hours, looks at the people that have done this to him and says, with a breath and words that I guarantee you were painful and costly to even speak because of the nature of a crucifixion as it suffocates you slowly. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus demonstrated for us because he knew that we were lost and he loved us anyway. And then Jesus said, Father, it's finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit, and he died. And when he died, the earth rumbled, shook. And a Roman centurion who had been positioned to stand by Jesus through all of this, who saw it all, who saw him say, Father, forgive them, watched as Jesus died and the clouds and the sky turned black and the earth shook. He looked and said, surely this was the Son of God. And just as Jesus predicted, he said, I'll die, but in three days I'll rise from the grave. And three days later, women showed up to perfume his body and anoint it for burial. But they found that the Roman guards were not able to speak to them. They were passed out and knocked out. The stone had been rolled away, and Jesus was not there. He was alive. Only later would they encounter the resurrected Jesus, even Peter. Peter, who denied Jesus three times as he was tried and then later crucified, who said, I don't know Jesus, though he was one of his closest companions. Peter saw Jesus resurrected from the dead, and this is what Peter had to say. He said, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of it. We are witnesses of it. See, he didn't just hear about it. He didn't just assume because the stone was rolled away and the body was no longer there. No, he saw a resurrected Jesus. He saw him alive. He saw him die. He was there, and he saw him alive after it three days later. Why is this important? Because everything hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus. There were conspiracy theories that said that the Roman soldiers took and hid the body, but Jesus' enemies would have loved to produce a body. That doesn't hold up. They would have loved to have had a body to say he was not the Christ. Look, here he is dead. Other people said that it was the disciples that stole the body. And sure, I don't understand how any rational thinking person could say that 11 uneducated average guys overpowered Roman soldiers who were trained to fight, overpowered them, rolled the stone away, and took Jesus' body, did all that with this elaborate plan to start a world religion and to cheat you into having a better life. I don't understand how you could think that that is what they did. But people believe that. They believe that they kept it a secret, that they had Jesus' body the whole time, and that they took that secret to the grave. Why? That doesn't make any sense. They would have no vested interest in doing that. And they did all of this because they said, we saw him alive. We saw him resurrected. We don't just believe like you and I do today. They saw him. They saw him. And so 10 out of the 11 were martyred. They were brutally murdered because they would not denounce Jesus. John, the only one, the closest friend of Jesus, was the only one who didn't die, and they exiled him to the island of Patmos to die. Why did they all die? Because they saw him. Because he was, in fact, resurrected. They had witnessed him that the tomb was empty. And so 
the early church was born. The first day that Peter preaches, 3,000 people said yes to God. 3,000 people said yes. And the word spread that Jesus was not dead, that he was alive. So consider the ministry and consider the resurrection of Jesus. These men would not have died if they hadn't seen him rise. And the last thing I'd like you to consider as I close today is consider the eternal message of Jesus. Consider what it says. How are we made right with God? It says in Romans 3.22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. As if when Paul used the word for everyone, he needed to go further and take it a step further and say, no matter who you were. Because when you say the word everyone, doesn't that mean everyone? But some of you are here today and you're pushing back on that. You said, well, that means everyone, but I'm not an everyone. I'm not included in that. No, 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 it means you. No matter who you are, this is for you. And he didn't say that you have to be good enough to be made right with God. He didn't say that you have to stop being bad and stop cussing. He didn't say that you have to be made right with God by loving your wife or not yelling at your kids and family on the way to church. Come on, kids, get in the car. We're going to church to celebrate Jesus. He rose from the grave. Some of y'all laughing, and you're like, no, that doesn't really happen. And you're all just a bunch of hypocrites. It does too happen. It happened to some of you today, and it happened to me regularly. It happened to me so bad one time that I pulled my van over on the way. That's right. I said van. I pulled my van over on the, on the way to church, handed the keys to my wife, and I walked my happy self home, and she went on to church because we were fighting so bad. That's a true story. We figured it out, though. We just drive separate to church now. We don't fight no more, so. <laughs> it's true. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ. It's for everyone. If you believe, no matter how bad you've been, how many times you've messed up, or how you've messed up, how many people you've hurt, Along the way, that none of that matters. He's not asking you to make amends. He's not asking you to be good enough. It is faith in Christ. That means Christ plus nothing is all that you need. That's it. That's how you're made right. It's through Christ alone. He took the penalty of our sins and he paid the price with his life. He was the only one who could. And what Jesus accomplished certainly draws a dividing line between religion and relationship. So Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to restore a relationship of you with God. That's what he came to do. See, religion, religion is all about my performance. A relationship is all about Jesus' performance. Religion says, if I obey God, then he will love me. But relationship says, because God loves me, I can obey him. Religion, if you spell it, it's D-O. Because religion is all about what you do. Relationship is spelled D-O-N-E. Because Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished. There's no work that you and I need to do left to be made right with God. 
this faith alone. Consider the eternal message that you're made right with God through faith in Christ alone. For me, if there's a guy who claims to be the son of God and he claims to be the way and he says, look, I'm gonna die, but I'm gonna raise from the dead. And then he dies and then he rises. That's the guy for me. That's the guy that I'm going with. Because that guy came for someone like me. He came for someone like you. Sinners. People who were broken. People who are lost. And he shows me the heart of God who sent his son Jesus, not for the healthy, but for the sick. Not for the righteous, but for the sinner. And because of what God has done, my only reasonable response and your only reasonable response is to love him in return. Let's pray today. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son. Thank you for sending Jesus to this earth to live a perfect, sinless life, to minister and serve and to make a difference. God, we thank you that you sent him not only to do those things, but also to lay his life down for us die on the cross and pay a price that we could not pay ourselves not and be made right with you thank you for giving us Jesus thank you for this demonstration of love thank you that he not only died but that he rose from the dead and that means everything that means everything as we continue to pray right now in this moment there are those of you here today you are ready to place your faith in him. See, there was one disciple, his name was Thomas, who doubted that Jesus had rose from the dead, and he said, I need to see him. He needed to see something. And Thomas got to see what he needed to see that day, and my prayer is, is that, and hope is that you have heard or seen what you needed to see in Jesus today to make that step of faith, to say yes to Jesus, say yes to heaven and no to hell, yes to forgiveness and no to your ways of the past, yes to new life, and no to the old you. If you're ready to do that, to begin a relationship with God, he's not asking you to change who you are, to be a better person. He's asking you to say yes today. That I want to place my faith in him. Now the Bible says that with a heart you believe, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What does that mean? That means that there's a conversation between you and God that you need to have. We call it prayer. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. I'll give you the words to say so you don't have to stress about that. But if today is the day that you would like to say yes to Jesus, to place your faith and your hope in him, now is your moment. I'm going to pray a prayer. If you would like to be included in on that prayer, nobody's looking around. We're not going to embarrass you. In fact, I'm going to celebrate you with you in just a moment. But if you would like to say yes to Jesus, would you just slide your hand up and say, that's me today, Aaron. That's me. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Do it now. Do it now. Say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Thank you for those hands. I'm going to pray this prayer right now, and if you want to be included on it, you can pray out loud with us. Church, I'm going to ask all of us to pray together, if you would. Pray these, these words. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross and rose from the dead three days later. 
Thank you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a brand new person. Show me how to live for you, and I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.